One person did your homework assignment. Not even my wife did our homework assignment. That's probably because I didn't take the book home. I already had a copy. If you did not get a copy, two people, okay. If you, three people, all right, all right, we're getting there. Four, can I see four? Four, 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 five, 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 five. I feel like an auctioneer up here this morning. If you did not pick up your book last week, there's one on the back table, one for every family. Uh, please pick it up today on your way out because we are going to be, over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through this series called I Am a Church Member. And it's not necessarily, we're not talking about church membership. We're not talking about, it's really about are you a member of the body of Christ? Are you a member of what we're doing here at Mountain States? Are you a regular attender? Are you coming? Is this where you feel like God has called you to plug in? Attender, member, regular visitor, whatever. That's what we're talking about this morning. Not about, are you a member of our church? Have you signed the dotted lines? I am going to be a member so I can teach. I'm going to be a member so I can lead a ministry. Is this where God has called you to plug in and become a part of? That's what we're talking about. And what does that mean? What does that look like? If you, This is where God has led us. Because I've had, we've had people come to our church We'll tell them, and we had somebody ask me one time, well, tell me, what's your cute phrase that you guys, that you have in your church? What's, what's the tagline of your church? I'm like, uh, I love Jesus. Um, give 35% of your income. And they don't like that answer. Uh, I don't really have a tagline for our churches. This is who we are. You know, we're, we're a bunch of Jesus-loving freaks in this room, and the, the Word of God is our foundation. And we sing some crazy music, and we all come from different backgrounds. I guess love, live, serve would kind of be our tagline, right? I love God, love others. We want to. Uh, we live life on life together, and we 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 serve locally and serve globally. That's kind of our tagline, I guess. But but I always tell people when they come. I want you to pray to see if this is where God wants you to unite. Is this church where God wants you to commit yourself while you're living here in northern Denver, or maybe come come from Aurora, Broomfield, or Boulder? Yes, we do even allow Boulder people here. I know. We love Boulder people. Yes, you do love bolder people. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I got you two here. <laughs> no matter where people come from, what their background is, what our dominational affiliation may be in our past, I always ask people to pray and make sure and ask God, is this where I want you, God wants you to unite? Because if you come here because you're frustrated with another church you come here because you you've had a, a falling out with another pastor or you've made, or, or whatever the reasons are maybe you're just in sin and you're just running away from something i don't want people coming here if this is not where god is leading them and that's kind of caught some people off guard it's like what you aren't just trying to build up your your people in your pews no well, we don't have pews do we we're not just trying to build up the number of people sitting in our, in our seats and giving to the church. No, I don't want people to come here if this is not where God has led them. I want God's leading in everyone's life, in every decision they make, even about where they come to church on Sunday mornings. And if God is leading somebody to go to Orchard or go to 
North Metro or go someplace else, great. I want to bless them and send them out as they go. But if God is calling people here, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for you? And what are God's expectations on you and on me as a part of the body of Christ, the church, the body of Christ together? Okay, there are certain expectations. So for the next few weeks, we're going to kind of unpack that and hammer that out a little bit and look at that together. What does that look like for us as the body of Christ, as church members? There was a, a research, a study done, a survey done recently over the past couple of years. Um, and you may have read some of this in the book if you did your homework this week. If you didn't, that's okay. We're going to go through your homework this morning. Um, of 557 churches, and this stat kind of blew me away. Nine out of ten churches in our, in our culture are declining or stagnating in their attendance, regular attendance. And declining, and it just means that they're not, they're, they're declining, they're, they're not growing, or, they're, or they're, maybe they are growing, but they're growing at a slower pace than the community around us, than our state or than our city. Maybe we're adding people to our membership, people are getting saved, but at a slower rate of growth than our community. Nine out of ten churches in America. That's a staggering statistic. Years gone by, if you ask the builder generation, which most of us in this room are part of that builder generation, the baby boomers, the the baby busters, the, the Gen Xers, which I'm right on the leading edge of the Gen X crowd by cultural definitions, 66% of that builder generation would call themselves Christians. They'd say, yes, I have made a personal commitment to Christ. I am a part of the body of Christ. I am a Christian. Not I'm an American. Not I'm a Coloradan. Even if it's five generations, I am a Christian. I count myself in that Mix. That's, that's a large group of people. But if you're to ask the millennial generation, that group that's been born since up around the turn of the century, only 15%. 15%. So if we are, as the body of Christ, if we are to do more in our jo- of our job, because Keith Green, Keith Green was a, a Christian musician back in the 70s until he died in a plane crash, I think, back before I ever got into Christian music. He said, it is up to this generation of believers to reach this generation of souls. It is up to us to reach our culture. It is up to us to reach our generation. The people, the, the, the millennials, those who are up now, the 15%, those who are the 85% who say, yeah, I'm, I consider myself a nun. They don't claim any kind of faith. When, when, when the IRS has you go around and every 10 years, or not IRS, whatever department it is, has you fill out your census stuff, and they go, well, no, what's your religious affiliation? The millennial generation, 85% of them right, none. No religious affiliation at all. That's the first 
generation in our culture where the nun, nunners, are more than those who have a faith of some kind. It means we are not doing our job of reaching the next generation. We're not doing our job as the body of Christ, passing on our faith and our values and the culture of the Word of God to the next culture, to the next generation. And we need to be doing a better job. And it starts here. It starts here in our church. It starts here within the body of Christ. It starts learning what is our function, what is our job, how, how do we do that, what do we ascribe that to, and how do we relate to one another? You see, we are weak in our church because we've lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We've become to adapt, adopt this idea that I'm part of a Christian country club. And it's been slowly growing for decades. It didn't just suddenly come on us. It's been slowly growing in the church for decades. I come in, I pay my dues. The pastor comes and visits me when I'm sick. I got people to call. I, get, I come and get my needs met. There's donuts. Anyway, thank you, Colton, for donuts this morning, by the way. There's donuts and coffee waiting for us on Sunday mornings we come in. The parking lot's cleared. Things are done for me when I go to this church. The idea that we are called to come and serve and part of the body of Christ has been slowly leaving our culture. It's time for us to begin giving back. Having a giving mentality instead of an entitlement mentality. And we talk about entitlements in government, right? Oh, we need to cancel all the entitlements. Cancel the entitlements. It's raising our, our deficit. It's raising the debt ceiling, blah, blah, blah. All these entitlements, they're ruining our country. I would submit that that entitlement mentality is alive and well in our churches as well. And we need to, as the body of Christ, become a functioning membership, not just an existing membership. A functioning membership. So let's take a look at that this morning. What does it mean to become a functioning member of the body of Christ? A functioning member in the church. Firstly, understand that all we are all necessary parts of the whole. Look with me in second, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 1 Corinthians is one of the books that Paul wrote to the early church. A lot, of the churches, a lot of the letters that Paul wrote are nice letters. They're, they're, they're things that, letters that he wrote to encourage them, letters that he wrote to lift them up and say, you're doing a great job with this, you're doing a great job with this, maybe tweak this a little bit, or he calls out some people from time to time. But in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, there was actually four letters he wrote to the Corinthian church. Two of them we have in the Word of God. He doesn't have a whole lot good to say. Let's <laughs> just put, put it bluntly. He doesn't have a whole lot good to say to this church. They had some issues. They were very hedonistic. They allowed the culture to envelop them. They were very self-thinking. 
And they had lost this idea that we are all part of the body. We're all parts, all necessary parts of the whole. Look with me in verses 27-28 there of chapter 12. He says, now you are the body of Christ. Corporately, you are the body of Christ. We are corporately together the body of Christ and individual members of it. Okay? Let's read that again. You corporately are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. What he's saying here is that we are all necessary parts of the whole. We are all part of this body of Christ. We don't belong to a country club. When I was growing up, living in South Carolina, 15 minutes from the beach, yes, I would love to be there today. Yes. Of course, I talked to my mom yesterday, and she said, I said, Mom, it's like 20 degrees and three inches of snow on the ground. She goes, oh, it's 75 here in Orlando. Shut up. I didn't tell my mom to shut up. I did that one time growing up. One time. My face has not recovered since. Growing up near the beach, my parents joined a country club. My dad loved to play golf, taught me to play golf. They joined this country club. There was a swimming pool there. They had a restaurant there. I could go and play golf whenever I wanted. In fact, I would just walk off out my back door, across my backyard, and the 12th tee was right there. Bing! I'd jump on, jump on number 12, walk nine holes, and come home. I loved it. We could do that because we were members of the country club, right? My dad paid our dues. I didn't pay the dues. I don't know how much he paid, but my dad paid our dues. It was the thing to do to be a part of the country club. Summertime came. We'd walk in to the swimming pool. I'd show my card. I'd walk right in because I was a member of the country club. If I wanted to go eat something, you had to spend so much money every month at the restaurants or they they billed you for it anyway. I'd walk in to get a drink, flash my card, just get my drink. It was free. I thought, as a teenager. Not knowing how things worked, right? My dad got the bill later. There were benefits and perks of being a part of the country club. I was recognized as a country club member. My dad was called Mr. Etter. My mom was Mrs. Etter. So good to see you this morning. That country club mentality has bled into the church. I alluded to it a minute ago. Where we expect perks because I tithe here. I expect to have my needs met because I tithe here. I pay my dues. I help to buy this building. We help to pay for the parking lot outside. I have a parking space. I paid for this seat that I'm sitting in every Sunday morning. And somebody else better not come in and sit in my seat. Except for Gerald. Gerald and I play this game every week. Where's Gerald sitting today? He purposely tries to sit in somebody's seat just to tick you all off. Yes. Have you ever been in a church where those seats are protected? I mean, we, we joke about it. 
But that's really a thing in some churches. I was listening to a podcast last week, and um, he was talking to pastor, the pastor was talking about somebody came and sat in this little old lady's seat, and she came in and stood right there. <laughs> How are you doing this morning? That's my seat. I mean, close. I mean, in Asia, we're used to not having personal space. Drew's like, please back up. <laughs> and she literally gave the guy no personal space. First time that person ever been in that church, last time that person ever came to that church. Because she had a she tied there. That was her church. That was her seat. And nobody better sit there. Perks. The country club mentality. Instead, this verse up behind me that we read a minute ago kind of lays out the biblical definition of membership. That we are all together. There are no perks. You come here because this is where God has called you. You come here and attend because God has led you to unite and join with our church, this local church, so that we can accomplish more together. So that we can participate in what God is doing locally. So we can participate together in what God is doing globally. So that we can hurt together and rejoice together as a part of the body of Christ, all the different members together. It's not about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about my preferences. It's about what does God want me to do? How does He want me to serve? Look back at verse 18. One of the, my, this struck me this week as I was reading through this. It says, but as it is, Paul's writing to the reading right into the church, he says, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as He wants. Did you get that? We all have a part to play in the body of Christ. Some are loud, some are visual, some are very quiet, some like to play games and sit in different seats each week. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ and He has placed you in service in this body just where He wants. It's not about me and what I want. It's not about my needs. It's not about my desires, my comfortability, my preferences. It's about where can I serve the body better? It's having that serving mentality, that biblical mentality, that serving mentality of serving one another in the body of Christ. Going above and beyond. Above and beyond what God, what we think we can do and doing as God wants us to do. That's, that's a noble concept, isn't it? Doing what God wants us to do instead of what I want to do. It's helping each other reach Maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, talks about the end result of all these gifts that God gave, all these jobs in the church, all these things that God is doing in us and through us. Why? So that we can come to maturity in faith in Christ together. So that when we see God, we meet God face to face, and we, either He comes back before we die, and we go up together in the rapture, or we die and from leave us earth, and we 
He meets us at the, at the gates of heaven and says, welcome into my heaven. We will have reached that point of maturity. I don't mean physical maturity because some of, some of us are not very mature even in this world. But we've reached the point of spiritual maturity where God can say, well done. Welcome into my kingdom. You have done and you have accomplished what I wanted you to accomplish. Do you ever think about that? That we, as the body of Christ, our job is to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in this world. Not my plans, my desires, not my five-year plan, ten-year plan, whatever it may be, but to take the job that God wants me to have, to marry the person God wants me to marry, to serve as God wants me to serve, to become transparent as God wants me to become transparent, to retire on His schedule, not on my schedule. Some of you are going, well, I've already retired. But have you retired from life? No, I'm not. There's retirement and there's, there's sitting around doing nothing. And I'd say that the ones I here know who are retired, you're not sitting around doing nothing that I know of. You're still being involved, still in being engaged. Because no matter what age a person is, from the youngest to the oldest in our church, we're all to be engaged in the ministry of God. Because we are all part of the whole. Number two, we're all different but work together. I think we could all say that none of us are identical. We've all got different parts. Some of us are hands, some are feet, some are mouths, some are louder than others, some are very quiet. Some of you don't even know they're here unless they sit in your seat. Just say it. Just point out some obvious things. Gerald loves when I point him out in church. Don't you, Gerald? So glad I can pick on you this morning. We are all different, but when we work together, so much gets accomplished. Think of your car. I get it in. How do I have to get in? I got to open the door. How do I open the door? I pull the handle or turn the knob. I sit down on what? I sit down on a seat or a box if you got a really old car. You put your key. Where do you put it? You put it in ignition. Where, where's the ignition? It's in the steering column. What's it attached to? A steering wheel. And you turn it. By what? There's gears and levers inside there, I'm assuming. I'm looking at our mechanics. I just put it in and turn it. I don't know how it works. I just put it in and turn it. There's stuff, there's stuff inside that you turn it and all of a sudden it starts and goes. My father-in-law learned a long time ago not to let me ever help him work on his car because I don't I'd open the door, sit down, turn the key, and it goes. Occasionally, I put this liquid stuff in the back, and occasionally, I change the other liquid stuff inside the engine. I don't do it. I'd have some milk, because if I did it, I'd put water inside the, the crankcase, and, as I've done before. Um, that's a whole other story. There are lots of different parts in my car that make it operate and function correctly. I don't know how they all work. I don't know why they all work. But I know when one of them stops working correctly, it goes... 
and dies. Or you push on this little pedal as you're coming up to a stoplight and you got the sound eek all the way up to the red light. Yeah, that's, that's not a good sound. Or if you're driving down the road and it goes and you get out and there's smoke coming from the inside. Or just if you, if you happen to be driving back from your honeymoon 20, almost 26 years ago and you happen to hear this really loud noise coming from the front of your car and you pull over and you happen to give the key one more turn and this metal rod comes shooting out the front of your engine, that's not a good sign either. Just saying. That I know from experience that's not a good sign. And then you're stuck on the side of the road at exit number one in, in Georgia. <laughs> Just saying. We all work together. We're all different, but we function together. Look at verse 26 chapter 12. It says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all are honored, all rejoice together. We're all different. We all have different functions. We're all part of the whole, and yet we all can suffer together. When one person is broken in our midst, we're all broken. When one of our members are suffering, the whole body suffers because we can't accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. If one of our members is frustrated and angry at the world and just sits off on the side and nobody recognizes, what does that do to our body? It makes us all less productive, doesn't it? That's why it's so vitally important, as they talk about these connect groups or life groups that we have here, to get involved in living life on life with one another, to get engaged and involved with one another, because we don't live life alone. As the body of Christ, we live life together. The motto for our life groups, life is done better together, right? We live life better together. I know some of us are introverts in here. Some of us are extroverts. And you, you got to kind of make that work somehow. you got to make friend how that works. But we live life better together, even introverts and extroverts working together. Those with different personalities coming together. And we play off one another. And we, yes, we may get frustrated and angry at one another. But guess what? What does the world see when we come back together and you let those little frustrations, and those little angers, those little things that drive you nuts, those people who are spiritual sandpaper to you? You don't know what I'm talking about? And now let me turn around and look at the person who's spiritual sandpaper this morning. There are people in our lives that God has placed there so that we can, they can, He can use them to rub off those rough edges on us. Maybe it's that spleen in the body of Christ who comes up to you who's the kidney, okay, and rubs up against you and goes, hey there. Or it's that foot attached to the leg and you're like, God, do I really want that person attached to me? And God's going, yes, I want that person attached to you because right now you're working together in my kingdom. Rubbing off those rough edges. But I want to know who's the hangnail in here. I'm just curious. Don't... Elbow your wife or your spouse. We all suffer together. We all work together in the body of Christ so that we can accomplish more. Then Paul moves on. 
to chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We love that verse. We love that, that chapter. It's read in marriage ceremonies. We read it to our girlfriend or boyfriend. We think about, this is how I need to love the world. This is how I need to love my spouse. But Paul is writing this in the context of the local church. He moves straight. Remember when when these letters were written, there weren't verse markings and chapter markings. Those got added later to help us find different passages in, in God's Word. So those, the chapter and verse markings are not part of the original manuscript. Paul didn't say, okay, chapter 26, chapter 13. Those got added later so we could find cool stuff. So when Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church, he moves straight from talking about we're all part of the whole, we all have different parts in the body of Christ, Let's start back at verse, in chapter 12, verse 29. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles in the body, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. He says, and I will show you a more excellent way. And then he moves right into this love chapter in God's word, talking to the local church. He says, If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I mean, y'all would say that's me, right? And if I have prophetic powers and an understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith and so as to remove mountains, to, and but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I've gained nothing. So church, so body of Christ, verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It, it, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And then listen to what he says to the church, this mature church, this one that thought so well of itself. When I was a child, verse 11 I spoke as a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a, mem- a mirror dimly. But then, face to face in the future. We're going to see Jesus, in other words, face to face. Right now, we see him like looking in a mirror dimly. Like we get out of the shower in the morning, it's kind of foggy. You can see the shape and the image, but you can't really see his face clearly, but then face to face. For I know in part now, then I shall know fully as I am fully known. So now verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. 
but the greatest of these is love. Church, we exist for the love of Christ. We exist to exemplify God's love together. We, our, our, our functioning together is built on a foundation of love. And I love, if you, in, in 1 John 4, it's, there's a, 1 John 4, 8, I think, 4, 7, 8, it says God is love, right? So if you take that, if God is love, God is the epitome of love, and that's who we are supposed to exemplify together, this, this passage we just read tells us all about God. It says God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy or boast, he is not arrogant or rude, he does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God loves all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God never fails. Is that not encouraging to us? Is that not, is, we can stand up and rejoice and clap our hands and say, God, you are awesome. And we represent you. You are the God of this universe. You are love. You are all these things embodied. And we are your bride. We are all parts of you. We are parts of the whole. My speaking, my, my playing, my life, my serving should be done out of love. Not out of selfishness. Not out of ambition not because I want to get a better seat, not because I want to have recognition. We serve and come together in the body of Christ. We function together as the body of Christ because God, because God. Period. Everything we do is done on that foundation of love. Lastly, in this discussion, and that we are a functioning membership. Look back at verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12. As we talk about functioning together in this foundation of love, out of selflessness and desire to serve each other, and to serve our God. Listen to what Paul writes to the church. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For there is one Spirit. For in one Spirit we are all baptized in one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and all were made to drink of the one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make, not make it le- any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where, where would, the sen- where would be, the, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. Again, going back to that verse. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Do you hear that? The parts of the body that seem to be weaker, God says, are indispensable. That's awesome. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That there may be no division in the body, and that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, then second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping administration, various kinds of tongues. Are all, prof- are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues or do all interpret? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. Love. That is who we are. We are the body of Christ together. We are to rejoice together. We are to come together and not have this country club idea, not have this mentality that I'm owed and I, I pay I, I Pay my tithe. I hate that phrase. You ever heard people say, come and pay your tithe. No, we give to God. That's just my personal quirk. I want to give back to God what he has given to me. I don't pay God. I don't give him a tip. I give God because he deserves it all. In culture, our society, to stay a member of the country club, you pay your dues. And you can be a member as long as you want. In our society and culture, you can be a part of many churches. You keep giving to keep your, mem- your name on the roll. The first church I ever served in, in Roanoke, Virginia, they had 700 members on the roll. And how many came on a Sunday? Less than what we have here. But their names are still on the roll. You can't remove it from the roll. They're, they're still members of this church because they send money once every three years. They give to their Christmas missions giving program, and so their name is kept on the roll. They're a mem- I'm a member of Conley Memorial Baptist Church. Really, when's the last time you went? Oh, six years ago. What do you do there? Oh, I might go to watch the live nativity scene they put on at Christmas time. Do you attend? Oh, once in a while. And yet the biblical idea of membership is to give abundantly and serve without hesitation. If a need is mentioned, we ought to have 45 people in here stand up and say, let me serve. If there's a need to teach, I want to stand up. I want to be part. I want to do what I can do. If there's a need for volunteers and VBS, if your time allows, I know not everybody can work during the day when we have VBS, there ought to be hands going up. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because we all work together and serve together.
an inactive church member, the book said this this week, I thought it was interesting. An inactive church member is an oxymoron. In Scripture, there is no such member. The inactive church member is an oxymoron. That's why in our bylaws, it says if people stop coming for a certain period of time, we, don't longer, we no longer count them as part of our church because they're not functioning as part of our church. Sometimes people move away, we understand that, but some people, sometimes people just disappear. But then you ask them, where do you go to church? I still go to the church down the street. Really? Functioning church members are active church members. And again, I don't mean membership where you've signed the name. The question we ought to ask ourselves is, how can I best serve my church? Not, should I serve in my church? How can I serve in my church? Just imagine what we can do together as the body of Christ. If we are all engaged and we all ask that question, how can I serve? Where is a place for me? What class can I teach? What, how can I get involved? How many times a month can I bring donuts? How can I come early and set up coffee? How can I come and be a greeter and hand out the bulletins? How can I come and help clean? How, what, what can I do? How can I serve? How can I get involved? In the bottom, the bottom of your bulletin, and I'm going to be on the screen too, there's a pledge. The pledge of being a functioning church member. And I'd like us to read it together. As we commit this morning to serving the Lord and functioning together as God intended. Let's read together. I am a church member. I like the metaphor of membership. It's not a membership as in a civic organization or country club. It's a kind of membership given to us in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the member of Christ and individual members of it. Because I am a member of the body of Christ, I must, must be a functioning member, whether I am an eye or a hand. As a functioning member, I will give. I will serve. I will minister. I will evangelize. I will study. I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That is our pledge this morning as we talk about being a functioning member of the body of Christ. Discovering your place in our church, discovering your place in the body of Christ, and serving there. Looking around, how can I be a blessing to others? Because I'm called to be a blessing and to love others regardless. Yes, we're going to rub people wrong. Yes, others are going to rub us and we're going to get frustrated and aggravated with one another. That's life. But we are called as the body of Christ to look beyond a person's, what we perceive as lower qualities. And see, maybe ask ourselves, how is God wanting to use that person to make me more like him. Some of us are fine grit sandpaper. Some of us are coarse grit sandpaper. But we're all sandpaper at some point or other, right? <laughs> That's very fine. Can we commit this morning 
to becoming functioning members of the body of Christ together. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we are called to serve and minister in your name. That we are all parts of the whole, individual members of it, as your word says. God, I ask this morning that as we look upon one another, that God, we would see each other as you see us. Not just as somebody who, not as somebody who aggravates us, but as a part of your plan to reach this community and help us as the body of Christ come to maturity in Christ. Lord God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the 60 years, almost 60 years that Mountain States Baptist Church has existed, the lives that have been changed and transformed as a result of the faithful, functioning membership over the last 60 years. Lives that have come to faith in Christ, lives that have been discipled, marriages that have been healed, lives strengthened, knowledge of you increased because this church loves you first. Lord, I pray this morning that we would all be willing to say, I'm willing to put my own desires aside and seek what's best for the body of Christ here. That we can reach this next generation. That we can see this next generation of nuns be welcomed into your kingdom after they find you at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.